This Augusta Golf Show podcast is brought to you by Audi Augusta, online at AudiAugusta.com. Well, our friend Jaime Diaz covers the game for Golf Channel, and Jaime has a fascinating article this week on GolfChannel.com about how the game of golf, in looking back at itself, must always keep looking forward. We'll talk about that. It's a pleasure to welcome Jaime Diaz back to the Augusta Golf Show. How are you, Jaime? I'm great, John. Nice to be on with you. Thank you for saying yes to this. I appreciate it. I, I, the best way to probably tackle this is, is somewhat chronologically. Because so, January was a huge month for, for the game in, in many ways, variety of ways. Let's, let's start with, as your article does, talking about um, Mike Wan stepping aside as the commissioner of the LPGA. And, and I've had some folks on the program talking about his impact. It seems, it seems difficult to put a true value on the impact that Mike Wan had on that tour, doesn't it? Well, it does, except that I think most people, uh, if anything, uh, will just go hyperbolically positively uh, and as far as his impact. And, and not to say it was overstated, because I think you know the LPGA, when Mike Wan came on, was in a, a bad place. I mean, financially and image-wise and attitude of the players, and it was just a... Uh, a rescue operation, and Mike Wan not only rescued but elevated completely the LPGA. Uh, he did an incredible job, and he's a dynamic leader publicly and, and privately. I, I think uh, one of the things he did beautifully was really establish trust and, and true bonds with the players so that they were loyal to him and they, they were all on the, you know, pulling together. Uh, some of that was because they had been in crisis, but a lot of it was because of Mike's charisma. So I just feel like... Uh, Mike Wan will be missed. It'll be hard to replace him. But he definitely set the bar at a place where, you know, anybody who approaches that bar will, will be doing a good job. Yeah. Do you, think, do you think it'll be harder or easier for the next commissioner? Well, in some ways easier because there's a foundation, much like when Tim Pincham uh, succeeded Dean Beeman. I mean, Dean Beeman set a foundation. A lot of people said, you know, Tim Pincham got the got the keys to the Cadillac, all he's got to do is keep gas in it, that metaphor. And, and, and I think some of that will probably be a burden for the next commissioner of the LPGA. However, um, there is a, a really nice system in place that he can improve on. And, and to go back to Fincham, I think Fincham established his own legacy and, and you know, exceeded a lot of the, the things that, that, that Dean achieved. So, you know, it's just picking the right person. But I think if that person doesn't feel overshadowed, or haunted by Mike Wan's, uh, you know, kind of legacy, I, I think uh, it'll be a good chance that the LPGA will go on to bigger and better things. And then, and then the game found itself in an awkward spot. Um, it, it found itself in the news with what happened at the Capitol on January 6th, because shortly thereafter, the next day, Annika Sorenstam, Gary Player, and, and posthumously, Babe Dietrichson Zaharias got the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and 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 problems ensued from that. Some blowback from folks to Annika to Gary. How, how did you feel about all of that? Well, I I was trying to be empathetic, and I remain empathetic to Gary and Annika because I'm sure they obviously agreed to that award uh, well before the insurrection at the Capitol, um, and. I know they valued it, and they were proud of it, and they both had a relationship with, with President Trump, and there was, a, I think, some personal loyalty involved there. But I, I'd, I'd hoped, I guess, that they would find the bigger moment 
socially, culturally, you know, nationally, uh, to be the overriding uh, factor in their decision. And I, I don't think they did, and uh, I'm not saying they regret it, because they each made their decision. Uh, but uh, I think golf was on the spot at that moment and looked a little tone deaf, as it has in the past. These are two leaders, two great Hall of Famers, um, and they were speaking for golf in that moment. And I think the majority of the country probably felt like, you know, this wasn't the appropriate time to be getting honors from President Trump. Well, uh, we're talking with Jaime Diaz from Golf Channel. What struck me, Jaime, you know, I, a couple of days later, I don't think Bill Belichick turning down the honor helped the whole situation. But, boy, I did think that Gary and Annika were, were victims of timing. Um, you know, oh, no question. On, on, on January 5th, not a whole lot would have been thought about them receiving that medal, but receiving oh, it the day not. after. Ugh. Well, but they, you know, they had those 24 hours or whatever yeah. time yeah. To, uh, to make a decision. And, and uh, listen, it was a, almost a no-win. Uh, they were in a very, very tough spot. I, I admired how Annika took questions later, uh, acknowledged her critics, understood the opposing point of view. Um, but their decision stands. And, and, you know, I'm not saying there's an asterisk for that medal. Uh, that, those, those, you know, Tiger Woods got it. Jack Nicklaus got it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's only a continuum there in terms of uh, their worthiness as, as what they achieved. Uh, but the timing did speak to the way I think golf is often perceived uh, at, by the population at large. And then one more off the course um, news making activity with, with Tiger getting more back surgery. Um, I, I I'm to the point now, Jaime. I don't know where you feel and where you stand with this. I'm to the point now where I think we need to be realistic about what we can expect from Tiger. And maybe maybe April of 2019 was that moment in the sun, that Jack Nicholas moment in the sun. And I don't know that I expect an awful lot more from him. No, I think the forces of age and injury and perhaps even with Tiger, which is hard to say, motivation uh, may have eroded to the point where, you know, he's just not going to be uh, capable of what he once was capable of, even in, even in his perfect moment. I mean, I guess that 2019 was a perfect moment. He, he has a game that is not as powerful uh, and not as uh, dynamic as it was. Uh, but in spots, he can play this perfect sort of point-to-point golf with no mistakes, and it's good enough to contend. And when he gets there on Sundays, he's still the, probably got the strongest mentality of anyone, and that's what happened in, at the Masters when he won. Um, however, all those all those pluses are are less uh, potent than they used to be. Um, he lost more club head speed. Maybe he'll gain some now with this thing. Um, which is another microdiscectomy. I think it's his, now I'm blanking, but I think it's his fourth. Mm. Um, uh, and, and the other, you know, none of them really, they were all stopgaps, basically. The only one that really had the dramatic effect that allowed him to win at Augusta was the fusion. Um, but there's no more fusions uh, that are possible anymore. Once you've had one, that's, that's pretty much it if you're going to be a professional athlete. So I agree with you, you know, that, um, you know, again, realistically, uh, even Tiger back, you know, four years ago, three years ago, realistically, he was acting as if he was, you know, pretty much in decline and, and everything else, as he said, was gravy at that point. And then he pulled off those wonderful uh, victories at, at the Tour Championship in Augusta. And also at the Zozo, he was 
played some perfect golf. Uh, shorter golf course, but again, he's capable of just this artistry that very few are. I don't think anybody else in the game when he's on is 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 more aesthetically pleasing to watch than Tiger. But that only goes so far um, when you're talking about a, a power game, especially now, and something at Augusta that he'd be giving up a lot uh, as a game with these younger guys, especially Bryson, uh, has gotten to the point where, you know, wedges are, are just common uh, to all the par fours and, and short irons even to the par fives. That's hard to compete with uh, if you've lost a little and you're hitting seven irons and maybe uh, having to hit even, even uh, you know, fairway woods perhaps even to the par four, five. So, um, you know, I, hey, everything ends. Yeah. Tiger has nothing to prove at this point. Uh, I don't expect a lot, but he surprises before, and this is such a cliche. He'll he'll probably surprise us again. He's got an incredible will, and that's probably the thing in the end that separated him the most. You know, I I fully expected him even before this recent announcement to. I fully expected to see him five, maybe six times a year. The majors, um, maybe Jack's tournament. You know, I I don't know that he would have qualified for any of the WGCs. But what I'd love to see him do, Jaime, I'd love to see him go places that he hasn't been and play golf courses where his game works. I'd like to see him go to Hilton Head, Colonial, some of these places where it's not overly long. And, and he does seem to love shaping the ball and hitting the shots. I'd love to see him go to some of these places where, frankly, he, he, he doesn't go. He hasn't been. Well, you know, I think some of it is that, you know, he doesn't want to fully in himself, I think, admit that that is now his game. I think he wants to be able to go to the big courses like he used to and, and still, and still, you know, hang with, with everybody and, you know, be one of the, not, he's not being the longest anymore, but that he can make adjustments that still will, you know, be the place like Torrey Pines will be his favorite or, or, or Firestone. Uh, and he'll still go to those places. You know, he never liked Hilton Head. He never liked Colonia. Um, maybe they do suit his game better, but it's still in his head that he, you know, he's a very stubborn guy, as you know. Yeah. And uh, and that's one of his strengths, because he does not give in to when people say you can't do something. Uh, but I think it also would be a nice way of, of spreading, you know, his, his popularity and, and the, and the uh, you know, the attraction he has to other to people in, in markets where he hasn't been before or so that would be, you know, kind of a goodwill uh, kind of purpose. But I don't think he want, you know, he's not into ambassadorships right now. <laughs> he's still, he's still all about winning. So, you know, the, the touchy feely stuff will be, if it happens at all, well, I still think it'll be later. I think it's got to be discernibly evident to everybody, including him, that hey, my time has passed as the kind of player I used to be. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's, he's certainly hinted at that, but it's, I think it's got to be, you know, proven to him uh, a little more clearly than, you know, when that master put a lot of extra mileage, I think, in, in what he thinks is possible. Uh, and, and so, you know, until, until proven otherwise, you know, yesterday we were talking about uh, Annika playing at 50, and, uh, and this quote that Brady Tom Brady had, who's not always the most quotable guy, but I think it's like a great quote because I think it holds across all sports and play until you suck. <laughs> I don't think there's any shame in that. We always talk about athletes. Gee, I wish they'd go out on top. If you love what you're doing, there's nothing wrong with declining and just playing. So just okay, it's over. 
And then you know, you left nothing in the tank, you left nothing on the table. And I think Tiger is, maybe has some of that mentality. We're talking with Jaime Diaz here on the Augusta Golf Show. I, I, I One more not-so-positive optic before we get to some positive stuff, and that was Patrick Reed. And, and, and what happened to Patrick there, or what Patrick did to himself in, in San Diego. Um, although, in this, in this fast-paced world, are, we seem past it. Are we past it? Did, did, did that, like, not happen? Oh, no, it happened. And, you know, of course, it, you know, hey, it happened in the Bahamas a couple of years ago, too. Yeah. And uh, then we were past it. And then, you know, when you have a history and you have kind of a, a resume, um, it doesn't take much for it to pop up again if something similar happens. So, you know, uh, look, it, player integrity is something that's the foundational for golf. You know, realistically or not, romantically or not, Golfers are held to a higher standard because they police themselves. They're, you know, I think it's been said definitively by the rules official, Patrick broke no rules. The locker room is a different story. Uh, they know the little nuances that allow you to take advantage of the rules in perhaps ways that are not, not honorable. Um, and I think that's what, I don't know about the majority, but that was certainly the... Um, the voice, the voice of the of the quote, players that were quoted afterwards, and not most of them probably didn't want to say anything. Uh, that was the predominant voice. Was you know, hey, okay, he, you know, the tour protected him, as Xander said, and that's all that matters. And but you know, a lot of guys were were missed. So that sticks. Uh, look, you know, Patrick is he's a great player. I think he's underrated. Um, but this has followed him. Um, and, you know, he, he doesn't do himself any favors, I think, when he just acts like, hey, you know, like Trump did with Ukraine. That was a perfect conversation. I did everything perfectly. Well, I don't know. Yeah. That doesn't wash when there's so many people in the chorus going, no, you didn't. Uh, and people who know, people, you know, his peers. Uh, the, the judgment of his peers, I think, is the most influential issue in Patrick Reed's image. Was it a good month for the game? Oh, I think so. Yes, uh, because it, it 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 put golf under a stress test. I think, which I think it passed. Um, I thought that the PGA of America choosing to, um, you know, cancel its contract with with uh, the 2022 uh, PGA being held at Trump Bedminster was a big moment. It uh, wasn't an easy one. As you know, John, I mean, the predominant demographic of golf is pretty conservative. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think they were maybe as... Uh, and so that happened five days after the insurrection at the Capitol. Um, and that uh, moment, I think, was a big one for the PGA of America, a big choice. Because they have, you know, they've certainly been associated with, with President Trump before, and so is the USGA for that matter. So, you know, and he's very golf oriented mm -hmm. uh president trump so to separate for him that was a uh, i think a decision that was not easy and i'm sure there was a lot of opposition um uh, internally but seth wall the ceo decided look this would be possibly he didn't say possibly it would be irreparable uh damage if we if we didn't do this we had to leave uh because thereafter golf's looking to be more inclusive more socially conscious uh, 
And this was a moment to prove that. And I think he felt like I've got to do it, or we have to do it, because we're looking for new fans and to broaden the game. We have our old fans, and they have, may have mixed emotions about what happened, but probably not as strong as those new fans and future fans that they're after. So I think it was a, a progressive decision, uh, good for the game. I, I think, to me, that's my, it's my uh, most vivid memory of the, of the month. I, I thought that was, I think, golf stood up proudly in a, in a big moment. Um, I'm sure a lot of people disagree, but I, I thought uh, Seth Wall showed some real leadership there. Um, before I let you go, it, it wasn't January, it was February, but, but, but in a positive vein, how fun was Saturday in Phoenix with Jordan doing what Jordan does? You know, it, it was nostalgic, <laughs> which is too bad to say about a 27-year-old. <laughs> it, it was awesome. You know, I mean, it was exciting. He, however, uh, it, look, it was great to see 61's incredible, 10 birdies incredible. It was great to see him on the board, leading, you know, tied for the lead after 54 holes. But I didn't believe, you know, he would be able to sustain it. And not because I don't have a lot of respect for Jordan Spieth. I don't think he was truly convinced he had his back. Uh, in terms of being able to put shots together without a bad one, forcing him to scramble and do all these kind of rescue golf. So, you know, I think it was a step forward. I think his attitude about it is really good in terms of, you know, looking, taking the long view and, you know, making these little breakthroughs. And this was a big breakthrough, but it wasn't the breakthrough, I don't think, uh, until proven otherwise. So it was great to see, but I didn't, I didn't feel like, oh, yeah, oh, this, these, these two years, three years in the desert that he's been suffering are over. Uh, it's just harder than that. You, you have to play a certain way. In golf, the way Dustin Johnson plays now, which is yes, with power and and dynamic, uh, you know, just shot making and, and but you really got to be steady, which Dustin Johnson has become. And and uh, I made the comparison yesterday, you know, that he, he reminds he's playing like Jack Nicklaus played with power and steadiness, and that's the rarest combination and and it's the best combination. Now, I'm not saying Jordan's never going to have Dustin Johnson's power, but there's no steadiness there yet. So until that happens again, uh, I think he's still on the upward climb. But it was great, and I, and I, you know, hey, he's going to Pebble this week, and and Pebble is a place that he's he's won and he's played very well. And let's see if he continues. Uh, you mentioned the PGA of America, and you mentioned them, you know, uh, moving the 2022 PGA Championship. They also made some news earlier this week, uh, allowing uh, rangefinders. Uh, in their major championship, the PGA Championship, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, and the Senior PGA Championship. Were you surprised by that? At first, a little bit, but then as we studied it a little, uh, you know, Trip Eisenhower is someone we work with, and he's very, he's been on the policy board, and he's played on the on the Corn Ferry Tour, and he, he really follows, you know, the way that the, uh, the tour administrates itself, and they had done a trial with rangefinders on the Corn Ferry Tour. And what they found was, number one, the yardage books are great. <laughs> they don't need a lot more help with exact yardage. And the idea that it'll speed up the game, uh, it might be, counterintuitively, it might be that it slows the game down because it just adds an extra step of double-checking, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, you already got your yardage. You, your caddy's you know, got the book, and he's, and he knows the course, et cetera, et cetera. And 
do you really have to shoot it again with a laser? Uh, probably not. Uh, but of course they will because it's, you know, another safeguard perhaps. But it's, I think for the average golf, I mean, for the, for the pros, it's, it's a, it's probably a, an unnecessary extra step. But I think what it does more symbolically is just shoot of the elite game with the recreational game where the, where range finders are, are commonplace and have, you know, obviously they're, they're, they're legal by the USDA. That happened with the new rules. Uh, and everybody uses them. So, and, and also young players, juniors, have grown up using them, uh, who are going to be pros, some of them. And so to take that away from them in the pro game doesn't make probably any sense anymore. It's part of their whole routine. Uh, so, you know, I think it was just one of those things that makes the average golfer feel more connected to the pro game. But won't, at, at the pro level, even though it'll be startling to see them shooting things, you know, with the, with the range finder, in the middle of you know, the fourth round on a Sunday, uh, you know, down the stretch on a Sunday, um, it we'll get used to it, and it won't have, I don't think, that much effect. Well, I wouldn't be surprised, Jaime, if if a lot of pros didn't ever bring it out. Well, that's possible too. Yeah, and yeah. I, and I think we'll look at it as as leaving the flag in. There are some that do, but many don't. Well said, and I, I think leaving the flag in is a is about pace of play. It's not really about pace of play in the pro game right. because actually, actually, you know, if somebody wants it in and somebody wants it out, it's another step for the caddy to, to replace it or, or, or remove it. Uh, but definitely for us, right, as we play our games now, don't you find yourself getting off the green a lot faster? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, the flag, so, now so it, it may, it, it may yeah. be COVID, but the flag rarely comes out anymore. Right. I think, I think we're all used to that now. And maybe some guys have improved their putting. I mean, Adam Scott has. Uh, optically, it helps some players, but I think the big thing is, is just less fussing around the, the hole. Now you just let you know knock it in, so to speak, <laughs> and uh, yeah. it, it just it just goes a lot faster. Yeah. There was concern that once we were past Tiger, where would the game be? And and we talk a lot about the professional game, and that's not fair. That's as Rory says, that's a very small portion of the people that play golf. Do you think golf in general, Jaime, is in a good spot? Yeah, I do. I think I'm, what I like right now is there's a lot of uh, um, a, a lot of hard thinking about where we want to go, where the game wants to go, and what it should be doing. And there's disagreement, but I like that there's a very healthy debate going on. The USGA, of course, with the Distance Insight Project, that's a big deal. That's what Rory was commenting on. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, I think, um, you know, the, the the killing of George Floyd last year just galvanize the country in terms of acknowledging systemic racism. And I think the tour has been, you know, not just the tour, all of golf, uh, at, at least in the organizations, have really shown a, a great sensitivity to that. And uh, the players are starting to speak out a little. I mean, I think Kirk, Kirk Triplett putting Black Lives Matter on his golf bag on the PGA Tour champions. I mean, you know, that took some guts. And he definitely had a lot of guys questioning, why are you doing that? But he he spoke about it and he and he and he explained it and I, and I think there was a real awareness um, that golf hasn't had before uh, with Kirk's leadership and obviously you know Harold Warner and and Cameron Champ and Tony Finau um, speaking as people of color uh, about the perspective of uh, you know what what they'd like to see the perspective they'd like to see golf take and I think I think golf's coming through right now I mean whether that's going to be just something that's appeasing people or whether there's real conviction behind it. I think there is conviction. 
Uh, and I think other sports have led and, and, and golf in this way can follow. Uh, but in a way that I think in a way gives it more progress than other sports because it's, it's really coming in terms of, you know, inclusivity and, 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 and racial balance. Uh, it's coming from a, a point that's farther away than other sports. So uh, it, the progress it's making is more dramatic in a way. The game in general grew during the pandemic. We've got all the numbers that show that. Do you think it sticks? Do you think it's sticky enough to, to hang around? Not sure. That's a great question. Uh, uh, you know, John, I, I, I look at my own life, uh, you know, during the pandemic, I was down in North Carolina, didn't have to be, you know, in the studio, and um, golf was really easy to play, and uh, and the golf courses were packed, but there were a lot of people in that same situation. Uh, as we get back to work and back, get back to normal, I think there'll just be, by, you know, by definition, there'll be less free time. But maybe the habits that we've established uh, playing more golf will, will, will have legs, but I think the other thing, what I really find heartening is a lot of people who were not avid golfers or had left the game and came back to it because of the opportunities in the pandemic start to find the, the real sort of, um, you know, the, the feeling that golf gives you. You can use yeah. the word spiritual. It is. Well, yeah, it's, you know, I, I don't want to over-romanticize it, but I, I think there's a, there's a relaxation and yeah. there's a... Uh, uh, cleansing and renewal that you feel when you play golf, uh, that very, especially as you get older, very few things can provide. So I, I think golf gained a lot of uh, stature uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as something that's part of a healthy lifestyle, which I think is, was a missing component of golf uh, in the past. I mean, too many, too many guys in carts, drinking beer, smoking cigars, that's the image of golf. And I think now golf is more about walking and getting out in nature and, and being with friends and, you know, really doing something that's more of a recreational activity instead of sort of a, a cult of, you know, uh, tradition, uh, uh, boys club kind of thing. Uh, this, is, I, 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 you know, it, it may be a small uh, incremental change, but it's definitely been, I think, a noticeable one and, and, a, and one that I think may grow going forward. He is Jaime Diaz. Jaime, I cannot thank you enough for spending so much time with me today. I, I, I really didn't anticipate that, but, but, but great insight, wonderful, wonderful conversation. Thank you so very much for doing this. Oh, my pleasure, John. Always. Take care.